Welcome to season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to season three. Welcome in to Season 4, Episode 8 of the podcast, I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I am JT, as always, along with my co-host, Tom Sims. Tom? Oh, that's me. You know, if we broke the name up, I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, into targeting into two places, I'm wondering if I would be the not targeting or the actual targeting. I don't know. I do feel we like need I to start over with targeting. you. With you vomiting all over the word targeting, do we need to start over? No, no, I think we should just we keep don't, rolling. Tom. You know why we don't? Because that would be the use of replay, and replay is terrible. <laughs> yes, All right. I heard that many yeah. times over the weekend. <laughs> and I can't even remember the the call that was that was in question. And my biggest, I, I'm not against replay. I, to get off on this side tangent before we start the commentary, because I think both of us are kind of excited about the commentary tonight. Uh, to get off on a sidebar on replay, it's not that I'm against it totally, but if you said, hey, do you want 100% replay or 0% replay, I would definitely be in the 0% camp. It is that it makes the referees lazy. They Anytime the ball is loose, they call it a fumble. It wastes time. We, you know, we've talked about this in other podcasts. So uh, it seems like there's something else. Oh, yeah, I always read off our Twitter handles. We need more Twitter interaction. I really hope we get Twitter interaction on, on our commentary tonight. So we're at JTIFBAMA98. That is J-T-I-F-F-B-A-M-A-9-8. At U-A-R-T Sims. And at Targeting Not. That are, those are our three Twitter handles that we check the most. And if you're listening to us on 95.5, I think Huddy put us on again. I'm sure he's going to send a bill eventually, which we're not going to pay because we've not agreed to any terms or contractual uh, terms on on the playing. But if you're listening on 95.5, we welcome you in. This is recorded Monday the 19th. So uh, some of the information might be outdated. Like as of right now, Brian Harson is the coach at Auburn still. So will, will he be when you hear this podcast? We, do, we don't know. So, but we'll cover that in a minute. Let's get to the commentary. I saw this on TikTok. I sent it to Tom, and he's like, dude, commentary. And I'm like, cool, because we used to do this a lot. If, you, if you're just now listening to us on, on season four, we used to do the, what was it, just random, what did we call it? It was a meaning, meaningless topic is what we did, and it, it was anything. I think the first one we did was, can Tom play in a Major League Baseball game 
unnoticed. And we said yes, that he could uh, play right field. As long as it wasn't say, hey, we got this guy off the street playing right field. You know, you throw Tom in the uniform, put him in right field, the, the balls he doesn't get hit to or doesn't, doesn't get to, they'll just say, ah, this is just a hard hit ball. And then he could sit there at the plate and watch three strikes go by. Nobody think anything about it because that happens every day they play baseball. So we're kind of doing a meaningless topic. And here is the topic. You have 24 hours to hit a hole-in-one on a par three of your choice. Now, you can choose any par three. I know immediately you're going to think of your home course, and Tom has played Redmont, the prestigious Redmont Country Club. And let me tell you, there's not a par three that you would want to hit uh, this challenge on because our par threes, some of them have postage stamp um, greens. All, the Three of the four are elevated greens. The green that is not elevated that actually plays downhill, you can't see the hole unless the hole is on the back side. So Redmont Country Club is out. So, But you do get your choice of any par three in the world. You have unlimited balls, and you have 24 hours in which to sink a hole in one. And here's the catch. If you sink a hole in one, you get $50 million. That is life-changing money. If you don't make a hole in one, if you fail to make a hole in one after 24 hours, you spend five years in minimum security prison. So I have asked some golfers and some non-golfers. I've asked some duffers, and I've asked some people who shoot right at scratch golf. I got different answers from different people. But, Tom, I've talked enough. I've got to get a, uh, a sip of nice, refreshing lemonade because, uh, like I said, something's blooming, and it's <clears throat> all day long. <clears throat> so... I know you got a lot of research in this. You, you, this is right in your wheelhouse of topics. I'm gonna let you talk. Well, I don't know about a lot of research, but I did think about it a pretty good bit over the last day or two. Initially, I was very much on the fence. If you took this at heart and said, "I really have to make a decision here whether you would do it," I mean, it's it's easy to talk about, but if you really put your Put yourself in that position and say five years in prison. Just think about that. Even minimum security, but that's five years versus the 50 million. I ended up landing on the 50 million. I think Good, because with I'm the on correct the selection, well, with the correct, cor correct setup, and, and I'm not a great golfer. I mean, yes, I played in the member guest at the Redmont Country Club, but still, I'm probably a, you know, uh, 18 handicap on average. I have some days that I might shoot in the mid-80s, and I have some days that I might shoot in the mid-90s, but I'm, I'm usually right there around 90 or so. With that handicap, I still think given the right conditions, I could do it. Now, I, of course, if you say, oh, there's a 175-yard par 3 that you have to know, I'm out. But for 24 hours, I found the 10th hole at the Oceans Golf Club in Daytona Beach. <laughs> it's a par 3 course. 95? <laughs> you, uh, 45. <laughs> it's a 45-yard par 3. It's a pretty good-sized green. It's it's slightly downhill, which I was looking for. With in in Florida, you get that tight grass in the fairway, so I'm planning on a lot of bump and run. Is almost just like tossing the ball out there. I can just hit 
eight iron bumping runs at that thing all day long, and one of them are going to go in. One of them will drop, particularly over 24 hours. Because with the type of shot I'm, I'm talking about hitting, I'm not talking about sitting up over the ball and concentrating for several seconds. I'm talking about mass quantities of getting up there and poking a ball towards that flag, just a little bump and run, and one of them will eventually go in. So I feel confident that you put me on the 10th hole in the summer at, well, I say summer, maybe in the, maybe in the uh, late fall, I need the, gra the ground to still be fairly hard because when I do miss in the fairway, I want it to still roll. So, mm -hmm. uh, late fall, Oceans Golf Club, Daytona Beach, 10th hole, $14 green fees, I will, I will take my chances. Now, we'll call Kevin Hart ahead of time and see if he can, you know, get me hard for prison. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, I'm, I'm a go. Well, that's, and that's the thing with minimum security. Somebody might be saying, what is, I don't really understand the difference in, in regular prison and minimum security prison. Well, I, I can put it to you very, very simple terms. Everyone can understand. And minimum security prison, you don't have to worry about dropping the soap. You're good. So, uh, you know, uh, t take your 10 minute showers because everybody in the minimum security prison, they're in there for tax evasion or, or the white collar crimes or, or the dumb bet crimes as this would be. Well, I, I, I'm leaning, of course I would just the competitor in me would want to do it and I, I might do it as well, but this is what I wrote down. The answer is you shouldn't. And Here's the good news, though. If you do, the average, I did a little bit of research myself. I think we swapped roles. You did a lot of thinking, and I actually pulled up some websites. Eli's like, you're going to do more uh, on the commentary than you are on the actual football this week, and I think I did. <laughs> which didn't, trust me when I tell you, didn't take much, uh, much time on either. But you, you definitely have to, and you picked a good hole, and like we talked about this weekend, you definitely want the green, the front of the green open. Like, you don't want it to be protected by bunkers. You don't want to have to land it on the green every time because you're going to skull a few. And I, I was looking at, you know, we were trying to think, okay, if you hit legit um, shots, like you're not trying to bump and run, which the, the hole you chose is a bump and run hole, or you can fly it in with a, with a loft wedge. Uh, you got to choose between rapid fire, just how many balls can I get versus I need to take my time and really take aim. And I think you and I, or I, I'll just speak for myself, I'm the type of golfer. It doesn't matter if I take 15 to 30 seconds to aim or if I just rapid fire. My aim is not that good. So I'm, I'm going to choose the rapid fire method. And you're looking at probably uh, if you hit two balls uh, a minute, then you're looking at around a little under 3,000 balls if you took no breaks. Now, you're going to have to take breaks. But with rapid fire, you could probably, I guess you could fire, what, 15 balls a minute at the hole? I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to set the ball and set your, reset your feet. It's not like, you, you know, you would see in a cartoon where somebody's just feeding you balls and you're just swinging as, as quickly as you can. But, but 15 balls, I, I figure – you could probably get off 10,000 balls, and, and that would probably uh, – I've got some terrible notes here. Uh, I thought about that, too. I, I, went, I went with the average of five per minute, and to me, that, that's still fairly rapid fire. That's just a ball mm. every uh, 12 seconds. But 
it's and and here's the way I come up with it. Five per minute is uh is um uh three hundred per hour. Okay. Yeah. And I said if you only did eighteen to twenty hours of actual strokes, that's still like you know. Uh, on the upper end, six thousand balls yeah. on on twenty. So so probably between five and six thousand balls you could get off. I think you could make it there. And four hours is plenty of time to rest because there's no way you can keep up. Uh, even at five per minute, I think you would be so sore mm-hmm. even before you got through that you, your your arms may be jelly trying to hit the ball. I, now this would certainly be. I'd need some notice because I'd have to put in some practice time for nothing more than just stamina. <laughs> on a forty, on your forty-five yard hole, dude, you could hit the Texas wedge a few times if you needed. You know, it wouldn't be a problem. I think so. I, I looked at the hole. I took a I took a view of it online. It has pictures of that hole, and it it sets up beautifully. It's an open green. It's a flat fairway. It's downhill. You probably could putt some. I mean, just you know, that's a long putt, but and over fairway. But you know, how many times could you sit there on a putting green and put a? a now this is not that that outside of the realm but a hundred foot putt you know you've tried that on the putt green just to be funny but if you sat there with 30 balls on a hundred foot putt you're going to get really close if not make one yeah yeah, now that's all green but you're you've got a similar setup with this hole well i've got some good news for you the average the average uh handicap of the hole in one the, the, a person who scores a hole-in-one is a plus 14. So that that's kind of where you're at. You might be a tad over that. The, the most hole-in-ones are hit by people age 50 to 59. And guess what, Tom? Next week, you'll be you'll be in that demographic. I'll still in be in the youthful house. 40 to 49, which is the second most popular demographic to hit a hole-in-one. But there, this is the concerning part. There's – you average uh, – an average uh, – I'm trying to think of how to say this – a hole in one is averaged one every 3,500 rounds. Okay, so you got to think 3,500 rounds of golf. That is around sixty-three Four shots. Sixty-three thousand approach shots. Okay, because I was thinking, well, I was I was breaking down by putts. How many putts you have in a round? So if you if you're like an eighty-two golfer, which is a ten handicap, I was like, okay, you're or no, I went bogey. So you're let's say you three put every green, and um, but you you know every shot you take is not on an approach shot. Like your your par fives, your approach shot is really not till shot three. But you hypothetically you get eighteen approach shots every round. So then, do eighteen times thirty five hundred. So you're going to have to, on average, you're going to have to put in a lot of uh, a lot of approach shots to hold one out from the fairway or get a hole in one. But I, I think with the green that you chose, it would it would be the odds would be more in your favor than if you chose something that you know one hundred and forty five yard uh, green that is surrounded by bunkers and you got to fly the ball in every time. So. But anyway, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely not doing that. If that's my choice, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing, too, is, you know, it's easy to say, like, okay, well, I mean, would you, you know, what if you're on a football field and you had to throw a football uh, 50 yards to and hit, a, hit it in a basketball goal? Well, I mean, I would feel much more comfortable with that because I feel like over time I could do that, especially if I could – I don't know if I could even throw it 50 yards, maybe 40 yards, but – 
it's different because you're actually aiming, you know, you're going to get close. You're going to be able to adjust where mine and your golf swing, like a, a true golfer, yeah, he can probably can adjust. He's like, oh, that was three feet to the right. Let me do this. And he's going to be very a lot closer. But I asked uh, some listeners of the show and uh, Trey, who I think listens, he better listen to this one anyway. He was immediately no. He's like, no, dude, I'm, I'm not doing that. So, so. Some of the golfers are like, there's no way. Of course, I went with the original amount of $5 million, which, as we talked about, we don't want to act like $5 million is not a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but I don't think I, at my age and one in college, one with a full four year, well, one in the first year of college, and then another one that will have four full years of college, I, $5 million would go pretty quickly when you start writing those checks to colleges and and what I'm saying is I'd, you, ha, you still have to work at $5 million in the bank. I mean, I do. I, I think you would, too. Where $50 million, I'm putting in my two weeks' notice because I'm a professional, Tom. I'm putting in my two weeks' notice tomorrow. <laughs> I will work out my last 10 business days, and I will leave with not, not burning bridges just in case I need to go back. So $50 million I, I, is much more life-changing money than $5 million. One follow-up question before we get off this. I just thought about this. All right, instead of going to jail, how much money would you pay to have the opportunity to win a $50 million? Would you put up... Ooh, that is a good one. $100,000? Well, I mean, I don't have that in the bank, so I'd have to borrow. But, I mean, yeah, would you take out a second mortgage on your house? I mean, I, you know, I don't know that I would do that. I think I definitely would go... Uh, fifty thousand. I think I'd do fifty thousand without even thinking about it. I mean, take out a fifty thousand dollars second mortgage, and yeah, that's that's. I'm thinking fifty, gut feel maybe up to a hundred. I may I may go as high as half a million. Man, you you really believe in your golf skills? <laughs> no, I just think I just think particularly the hole that I picked that I think either you or I either one would make one of those. Yeah, I really do think. That. Uh, well, we, you know, we shall never know because I'm not risking minimum security prison. Yeah, but we can go down to Daytona Beach this fall and just try it out. You reckon they'll let? let is that frowned upon? Hey, it's hey, $14 hey! Fourteen dollar green fees. I've been, sa- I've been We're saving. We're just going to play mulligans. hold ten. <laughs> I've been saving my mulligans for the past thirty years, guys. I'm going to be mm-hmm. here a while. <laughs> All right, so. Oh, I brought you uh, came went to went to Macala this weekend. Watched football with Tom. My daughter had uh, had parent it's parents weekend in Alabama, and then she had a a run for what was it called? Uh, oh gosh, what was it called? It was for domestic violence. It was a run for dash for domestic violence awareness dash for DVA through her sorority. So I went down there and supported her for that. Had a nice little brunch, and uh, you know went to went to Home Depot. And, and Target, and didn't have time for Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, but it's was, it was a nice, productive Sunday. And I brought you, I brought Tom a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle that he purchased here in Red Bay, Alabama, from a gentleman, and I took him a, a bottle of Eagle Rare that I bought for him for his 50th birthday this coming up uh, November, or November, September 22nd. But I brought another thing, Tom, that I did not leave and there's, I would rather leave the pappy than what I'm holding in my hand. And Tom, that is man of means, skincare products. I'm using it. <laughs> you should use it. 
I'm putting it on my forehead. As you know, my forehead is, is almost as big as Peyton Manning's, and it's getting the wrinkles. I'm getting a little older. It's getting the wrinkles. I keep putting it on there, and maybe it's just maybe it's just because I believe, but Man of Means skincare products are erasing my wrinkles. So you can find this. I, I said the wrong – I, I, I said Geology uh, was the, comp- the parent company of this thing. So uh, I, I uh, text Tattoo Tom. That's who I got it from. So we have Tom and we have Tattoo Tom. Some people think those are the same people, but they're in fact not. Tattoo Tom is a local fellow that lives here. And uh, I sent him the link to the podcast. I'm like, hey, man, I plugged your, your, your skincare product. And he, he texts back his CD. Yeah, man, I don't know what that geology is. That's not us. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, but Man of Means, he has an Amazon. It's not channel, Amazon page or something other. Anyway, you can search it up on Amazon. You search it on, up on Google, Man of Means. I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay, there's the ad that continues to let me get free lotion. Let's move on to the recap. All right. We had Bama, Louisiana, Monroe. We had Auburn, <laughs> Auburn, Penn State. Let's start out with Bama, Louisiana, Monroe. Uh, before I left Sunday, Tom and I were having a discussion over over a Diet Coke because he refused to cook me breakfast. And he's he asked me this question: Are you satisfied with Bama's win yesterday? And we won what sixty three to seven, and eight different people scored touchdowns. And my answer was. Negative. Negative. So let's discuss that. Well, you know, you and I sort of had the same knee-jerk reaction when we talked about that. And it didn't feel, particularly on the offensive side, it did not feel crisp. I mean, that was the obvious part of that is, is the two interceptions from Bryce. But the you would expect playing a team like, La Monroe that you might have more, I guess, longer pass plays that have been missing all season. We expected those may show up Saturday. They did not. I think uh, another bad part of the uh, uh, of the day was we only had one turnover. Now that was a big turnover for our man uh, Will, who scored a touchdown there defensively. I think they said that was his first of his career, so that was a, a good chip in his purse for his Heisman campaign. Mm-hmm. But through we've played three games now for a defense that was supposed to be really highly touted, and I know I'm excited about Still, I think they still have a lot of potential, but uh, they they haven't recorded it. They didn't record an interception Saturday. Uh, I'm, I'm not counting wheels. That was a tip ball yeah, in the t- yeah, backfield. Like you know, secondary didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secondary is just not. I would. I thought there would be a ball hawking group this year, and, and that hasn't really come to fruition. Ricks, I think we saw him on the field Saturday. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, but he didn't record a tackle. Uh, I don't know if he recorded a pass breakup. I'm not sure about that. Uh, so he was he was non-existent again, um, and, and the last bad part of the the day Saturday to me is uh, you know Burton. We're still this piggybacks on the the passing game a little bit. Burton recorded a single catch on Saturday. That's that mm. was supposed to be our stopgap player that comes in and replaces all that production that we lost, and he picked up one catch on Saturday. 
Uh, now maybe that's maybe that's partially like in Utah State we didn't throw it to Jamari Gibbs but once out of the backfield and we mentioned that on this podcast that we'll probably see a lot more of that moving forward and I think over the last two games he's proved out to be our leading receiver so that's come to fruition so so maybe they've got some stuff hiding in the weeds um, I'll let you talk about the bad too before I got to the good because there is some good I want to discuss uh yeah I mean I'm I'm just I'm the same as you, and I think we're getting into a slippery slope on what we're seeing on the field, what we want to see on the field, and what we're actually seeing. And it's and it's because of an of a team that is to the east of us. And I I really want to use that to segue into Auburn and Penn State. But I'm like you. The two interceptions from Bryce were just very disheartening. I mean, you just remember, we got spoiled with Tua, and, you know, in, in hindsight, I don't know that Mac Jones is not was not the better quarterback in college and might not be the better quarterback in pro, even though Tua torched the, the Ravens yesterday for six touchdowns torched. and, what, 496 yards or something other. But, you know, against teams like that, Tua would start the game 11 for 11, you know. It was just unreal how pinpoint accurate he was. And, I mean, Bryce is a different quarterback, but, uh, you know, the receivers, it is concerning. And But one thing that we talked about, we got – and I have beat this dead – I beat this horse to death on this podcast on a number of episodes, and everybody knows what I'm about to say. But, you know, the, the Waddle – I'm sorry, the Rug Smith-Judy class, and then the Waddle class, which was the next one, and then the Mechie class. Now, this got kind of confusing to Tom. So, when – let's start out with the class of 17 – which was Smith, Judy, Ruggs, okay? So they were freshmen in 17, they were sophomores in 18, and then in 19, they were juniors. So the first game of their junior year, they had participated or had the opportunity to participate in 12 regular season games in 17 and 12 regular season games in 18. We're not going to focus on postseason or the playoffs, so they had an opportunity to have participated in 24 regular season games going into their junior year. And I would say that in 2019, those three, those three juniors at the time, I guess they played every game as a freshman. I don't know, I don't know exactly when. I'd have to go back. Did, did Smith play the very first game? You know, Judy was kind of the man. And then Ruggs was the speedster, you know. And then Smith was kind of the, the third guy out, which ended up being the best one in college if you believe in trophies. So I, w- I would say those three probably played and probably maxed out their regular season games. They probably played in 24 regular season games before they took their first snap as a junior. Jalen Waddle, coming into 2020, I want to say he had played in 24 regular season games before he took his first snap in 2020. And then Smith, and well, let's say we've already talked about Smith, Mechie last year. So Mechie was a freshman in nineteen. And then a sophomore in 20, so there's only 10 games in 20. So his his number of total games possible were only 22. But I'm going to say starting last year, Mechie had played in 22 regular season games before he took his first snap as a junior. Now, let's focus on this this group, which is this is the class that has, we've really struggled with. Treshawn Holding, Holden excuse me, and Ty Jones-Bell. How many games do you think Treshawn Holden has played in so he would be the 20, 20, freshman in 2020, sophomore in 2021. So he would have a possibility of 22 regular season games. 
I'm betting he's only played in six to eight games as a uh, crunch time games, like where, hey, you've got to get open. It's not 42 to nothing and you're getting garbage time. Because the, the Smith, Ruggs, Judy, Waddle, Mechie, Fivesome, they played. They played against Tennessee when it was nothing, nothing. They played against Georgia when it was nothing, nothing. When we were behind in some games, I mean, Treshawn Holden, a lot of his action is going to be garbage time. And I think that that's what's showing up, you know. Burton is new to the fold, and we got spoiled on last year with Jamison Williams because he was just so good out of the gate, and maybe Burton grows into that guy. We think he's got the speed. You know, we've got JoJo Earl and Tyler Harrell that have not played yet. Are they going to play? I mean, we hope so. But, you know, last year, Kamar Wheaton, the the running back, you know, supposedly got hurt in preseason practice, and, hey, might play this week, might play this week. The dude transferred out. So, I just – I don't know. The, the passing game is disheartening. We got the running game going a little bit later, but the offensive line, just we've got to get – well, the first play from scrimmage, Darian Dalcourt, our center, got pushed back by three yards in the backfield. Like, to me, that's uncalled for in a game versus Louisiana Monroe. That, that can't happen. That was after opening up the game of the penalty after the 15 penalty debacle from the previous week, too. That was very disheartening. Um, but there was some good, there was some good Saturday. Here's some interesting, just a couple of interesting stats. I thought these were highly interesting, actually. Uh, 509 yards of total offense for Alabama on Saturday. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in itself, you would go, well, yeah, they should probably get more than 500 yards against ULM. That, that sounds about right, but that's a good day. I mean, it is. You get 500 yards versus anybody, you've had a good day. But here's what's interesting about that. In addition to over 500 yards of total offense, we had one possession that we didn't get to run any offense in. That was Will Anderson's pick six. So there Mm -hmm. were six points that we didn't get to run any offense, which theoretically could have added to that yardage total. We also had a punt block. Return for a touchdown. A second uh, defensive special teams play that kept the offense off the field that would have added to that total. And then here's here's the really big, amazing stat to, to, to top the cake completely off. We had 319 yards of returns, punt <laughs> returns and kickoff returns. 319. That's, that's, that's crazy. If we don't return those punts and kickoffs, you know, that, that yardage total might have been six, seven hundred, eight hundred yards. I mean, it had probably not 800, even if they just averaged, you know, 15 to 20 yards of return like you, you would normally think. That's only 100, but it very well could have been 700 yards, even without the turnovers and and. Uh, block punts for touchdowns. So I thought that was an interesting set. So from an overall production standpoint, we did well. It just didn't seem like it at the time because of the lack of crispness that we were experiencing. I mean, we can certainly read between the lines there. Um, The last thing I'll say is neither good nor bad, just an interesting tidbit. I am not up to speed on how the quarterback rating is calculated. Uh, I know there's a lot that goes into it. It probably takes a computer to crunch all the numbers, whatever. But ESPN puts out a QBR uh, on the stat line for all the quarterbacks. 
I'm assuming this isn't a mistake. It could be a mistake. I'm assuming it's not. Bryce Young was 13 of 18, 236 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions for a QBR of 81.7. Jalen Milrow had a QBR of 94.1. You know what his passing stats were? We're starting the wrong guy, Tom. (laughs) His passing stats were... I'm going to say he was 0 for 0. (laughs) He was 0 for 2. (laughs) (laughs) So he threw two incompletions. I know, he threw two incompletions that got him listed as a 94.1 QBR. Now, I don't know, does the QBR rating, does it account his rush touchdown? Because he certainly looked good on that run. I'll give him that. Uh, But, again, that, that goes to my lack of knowledge on how that thing's actually calculated. But I did find that interesting. But that, that, that wraps me up on the, the Bama-ULM game. Not a lot to take from it, of course, when you've got an overmatched opponent, but we pull what we could out of there. Yeah, I feel bad for Kool-Aid McKinstry because, man, we're watching him return punts all day, and he's he's just a, a hair away from breaking one to go the distance. And, you know, we're looking we're looking at each other like, man, we you know, JoJo who? You know, because JoJo was supposed to be the punt return guy. And then we give him a break and bring our backup in, and he takes one to the house. And then we bring our third team guy in, and he gets 30 yards. I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe their punt return coverage is horrible. And I think that's what it was. But Yeah, and, and Saban after the game said that JoJo was still the punt return. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that shows you his, his confidence or lack thereof. But what, like we talked about, we, you know, you asked me, and I did. I took about 10 seconds, and, and then I said, no, I'm not satisfied. And it's, I think it's because it's Bryce's two picks, but mainly, man, we allowed a touchdown. And I am I will only speak for myself here, but I'm getting in a bad habit of keeping one eye on what's going on east of Auburn in Athens, Georgia. And they just look so dominant. And they're not allowing anything. They allowed a garbage touchdown. We've, we've only allowed two touchdowns all year in three games. And we have we've gone on the road and and beat a beat a decently quality opponent. Now Georgia did go on the road and beat South Carolina, but if Texas South Carolina on a neutral field today, what's the line going to be? Texas by how much? Uh, a lot. I mean, a decent amount. To yeah, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be double, double digits. digits. So South Carolina is nothing. They're no good, but still, I mean, you, they they went over there and executed. But we've got to be careful of worrying about what other teams are doing because I think that's what you're seeing at Auburn right now. Dude, Auburn is – and that this is my segue. Auburn started out last year 6-2, and two, and then they faltered. And, you know, they, they should have beaten us. They, they should have. And we, we lucked out and, and made the plays. You know, part luck, part skill, but we made the plays, got to overtime, and we won – and then Auburn lost the bowl game, so they went from six and two to six and seven, and now they're two and one on the year. They got a winning record, and they have all but fired their coach after the debacle on the plains against Penn State over the weekend. And do I think Brian Harson is the right fit? No, I didn't think he was the right fit when they hired him. I was very glad they hired him, based on the names like Freeze or Kiffin. And Freeze, who knows about him? But I don't want Kiffin down there because Kiffin is young, energetic. Players are going to go to play for him at Auburn. They're going to play for him at Ole Miss. So when they hired Harson, it was it was a laugher to me. Of course, the their sunshine pumpers on their message boards like, ah, oh, he's good, he's good. What well, they're seeing now, but like 
it's crazy to me that you can coach in 16 games and they're going to fi- they're going to fire him. They've already put out Philip Marshall put out the the um, the article that just basically sealed his fate yesterday and basically saying it's not if it's when. And I mean, but let's get to the game. Man, they looked horrible. I mean, they have no quarterback. Their offensive line is trash. They're giving their best player probably the best running back in the conference, at least preseason. They're, they got – I think they gave him 14 touches. I mean, the, this guy ought to be touching it at least – let's just say you got to factor in three and outs. On, an, on every three plays, he should be touching it once – uh, and then getting it fake to him or maybe even touching it twice on a three-play, uh, in every three plays because he's that good. I'm talking about Tank Bigsby. But, man, they – I felt like they quit, you know, early on, and they threw picks. Both quarterbacks threw picks. T.J. Finley fumbled. I mean, he is not good. They have three quarterbacks. None of them were the, the outright starter at their college unless it was due to injury with Calzada, who's not seen the field yet. Auburn's just got a long way to go, man. And I don't see – you know, if they lose to Missouri this weekend, Harson's gone. He is gone on Sunday on, on Sunday morning. He's out of there because with the early signing period now, Scott they've already pulled the, the trigger on Scott Frost at Nebraska. They pulled the trigger on Herm Edwards yesterday at Arizona State. And I was listening to – like I said, I was in Tuscaloosa and I drove home and I listened to XM, the uh, Lugan Bill and Barrett Salee – and they were already talking replacements. Like, that's just amazing to me how used to – you got four years. I mean, if you fell on your face, you only got three. Mike Dubos got – he got four years. He got 97, 98, 99, 2000. And he was horrible. So, it's just yeah. amazing that the, the time clock now that they expect you to win by. Yeah, I saw, the, I saw an article today that Harson was the leading candidate for the Arizona State job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but they did. They look they look terrible on on Saturday. Their their offensive numbers, total yardage numbers, were pretty close to Penn State, but they turned the ball over four times. Like you said, each quarterback threw a pick. Neither one of them were very effective. They just looked discombobulated all day. They they never they never strung together a drive that looked easy. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just you know the plays all hit right, and and you march down there and score a touchdown, or maybe you get a field goal, but everything just kind of works. And that never was. And, and yeah, Bixby only got nine carries on the day. Nine. It. I. I think. I think I heard somewhere and said that somebody said he didn't get a carry in the second or third quarter. His nine came in the first and fourth. That's that's crazy. That is wild. And lastly. Yeah, I mean, they gave up six sacks, and what was supposed to be one of their strong points, the defensive line play, they got zero sacks on the day against uh, Penn State. And Penn State's got some good offensive line, but they're not that good. Uh, and you've got to pressure a quarterback who's who's basically taking that team on his shoulders, and that's, that's where they have played this year. They've played behind the arm of Sean Clifton, and – and Auburn got no pressure on him. Now, Penn State is beating their chest about coming down to an SEC venue and getting a win, but like we talked about Saturday, how how good is that win? I think we both decided that Auburn was likely 12th or 13th in the league. 11th certainly not better than any – Yeah. Vandy, Vandy not South better Carolina, than Missouri, Western. and Auburn are your bottom four, and you put them in any order you want to. That is correct. So, 
Yeah, we can we can move on from there. I think you covered it succinctly, my man. Yeah, and and you know, like you said, Auburn, the Big Ten is gonna be like, well, we came down and beat the SEC team. SEC is gonna say, well, you know, you beat our number twelve team. Well, on the flip side, the Big Ten is gonna be like, yeah, well, we sent our fifth best team down there, which is probably right. I mean, you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, man, maybe fourth best. I don't know. I don't know really all who's in the where the Big Ten is standing right now. But definitely, Penn State's not going to be able, to, not going to be favored to beat Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State. So that, it's not like Ohio State came down and beat them forty-one to twelve. Embarrassing loss for Auburn. Embarrassing loss for the SEC. And we'll we'll leave it at that. I felt so. You know, as you know, my girlfriend is an Auburn fan. So you know, I try to be as respectful as I can. And uh, last year's Iron Bowl, notwithstanding, <laughs> but but uh, like it, it's so they played so bad. I didn't put anything on Facebook. Like, I wasn't going to troll the Auburn fans because, man, I've been there where we're, we suck, you know, and it's not fun. So I'm just going to leave them alone this year. The next bullet point I've got is discuss USC, OU, OSU, UGA, Michigan, whatever, whatever. I mean, there's really not much to say. Uh, USC is the biggest surprise, I would I would think. Um, you know, they've looked good offensively. They've they've looked good as a team. But, I mean, who have they played? We'll see what they've got. But they, you know, with Caleb Williams and uh, the Addison kid, I mean, they're going to be a formidable opponent on offense. But I don't think they're ready for prime time. I don't think they're – I think they're top 15. I don't think they're top 10. Well, to, to piggyback on this, and, and we, we talked about this a little bit on Saturday too <laughs> – there's a handful of teams in the country right now that are undefeated, that have a shot at the playoff, that have not struggled yet. And then there's also a double handful of teams in the country that are undefeated who have a shot at the playoff, but have shown some kinks in the armor. Very quickly, those teams with kinks in probably order as their rank, Alabama on top of that list, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, Penn State, Iowa State, Washington. You see me throw Iowa State in there. They're not ranked in the polls, but they should be in the playoffs. But those teams are undefeated, but they have played some tighter than they would want games. Now, I looked at the teams that are undefeated that really haven't struggled yet. Obviously, Georgia tops that list. Mm -hmm. There are only four other teams on that list. Michigan, Oklahoma, USC and Ole Miss. Ole and, Miss. And before, How about that? Ole Miss. Their closest game has been Detroit, but they were winning that game twenty-eight to three and gave up a touchdown to make it twenty-eight ten final. So that was kind yeah. of a closer than, but eighteen. I mean, the, the game was twenty-five right to the end. So I, I, that game was never in doubt. So that was their closest. But here's an interesting little tidbit about the top five I've just noticed or just just noted there. The number one scoring defense is no surprise. That's Georgia. Mm-hmm. Number one scoring offense. Take a step. Uh, it's not us. I'm going to say USC. Michigan. Really? Yeah. That very, very, very notable. You know who's number two behind Georgia in total defense? Bama. Ole Miss. What? 
Two crazy stats, three games there. <laughs> Michigan leading the country in offense, Ole Miss second in the country in defense. Oh, man. And it's hey, no wonder both of those teams are in the non-struggle column there so far. Congrats to Ole Miss this weekend. They made it to Atlanta, Tom. I did not really didn't know if their fans and team knew how to get to Atlanta, but they did. They played Georgia Tech, so congrats to them. Hats off. Yeah. Uh, out of those five, Michigan and Oklahoma have played very weak schedules so far. And I'm not saying Georgia's played world bidders, but they played Oregon and South Carolina, an SEC team mm-hmm. and, and a Pac-12 team who has already jumped back up into the top 15 after the yeah. weekend. USC played a Stanford and uh, Fresno State. Again, not the top tiers, but they did play a conference game. And, and even Ole Miss, uh, they haven't played – a, a barn beater, but they did play Georgia Tech on the road and had zero problem with them. Uh, so, you know, anyway, there there's some of these that haven't been tested as much as others, but uh, I would much have rather been in the non-struggle column than the struggle column at this point yeah, in the season. For but, sure, for sure. Hey. All right, let's get into games of the week. we got a couple this week. Bama Vandy. And this is our last tune-up game. I mean, after this, we have Arkansas, A&M, Tennessee, Mississippi State, all without a break. And we're at Arkansas hosting A&M, at UT, and then hosting hosting Mississippi State. So this is the time, guys, to to get to fine-tune our game plan, to fine-tune our substitution patterns, to get our offensive line as gelled as we can because it's going to start happening, you know, next week. The good thing is all those teams I just named – everybody's getting into their conference play. Like, yes, we have Arkansas next weekend after this, you know, the weekend after this one, and that is a concern. But guess what? they got to play A&M. So it's not like they get to play, you know, Austin P and then roll into the Bama game where they could plan for two weeks. I mean, they have to plan for A&M. And then we have A&M after them. And so A&M, you know, plays Arkansas this week. Not sure who they play next week. But everybody's going to be have bumps and bruises. Everybody's going to have, a you know, maybe a, a – a significant player that can't play due to a little nagging injury. So it's 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 not like these teams are coming off bye weeks like we saw in 2010 where five teams had byes before us. But, you know, to me, I want to see the running game develop further. I'm excited to play Vandy. They're normally just a, an easy cupcake. They, we, sh- we still, I mean, we're favored by 40-plus points. But, you know, their quarterback's athletic, and that's good because, you know, he's going to run the ball some. K.J. Jefferson's going to run the ball. And I don't know, A&M, is Brad Johnson or whatever, Max Johnson, is he the starter now after this weekend? I mean, they only put up 17 against Miami, but they got the win. Haynes King is is fleet of foot, and I'm not sure what Johnson brings to the table as far as running from the quarterback position. But I think Vandy is a very good tune-up for these next four games. And wide receiver, this is what I put, exactly what I put, someone step up. Like, I don't care who it is. I feel like we're having auditions during the game. I mean, we're seeing Isaiah Bond out there. We're, we saw Law out there, of course, with the second teamers. Um, Ja'Cory Brooks. Dude, you, you can't – you don't want your career to be defined by that catch at Auburn. Like, like make a career for yourself, you know. Yes, you writ your name in Crimson Flame that night, but let's, let's write it some more times. And Burton – Man, get some separation between you and, and, and be the leader on offense from the wide receiver position. And that's what we're seeing from Bryce is he, he's taking sacks and taking pressures because he doesn't trust his receivers yet. And we've seen two passes in the consecutive weeks where the we're, we're running zone the, – the defense running zone coverage and our receiver's supposed to squat. He keeps running and we throw behind him because Bryce is throwing to where he's supposed to squat. 
And did one of them lead to an interception? Did one, didn't one of those get tipped this weekend and go to interception? Seems like that happened. But uh, yeah, one of them was tipped. Yep. I yeah. think the second so, one, the first one was a terrible throw. We need to get on the same page before we go to Arkansas because, man, Arkansas, they're good. They're a quality opponent, even though they struggled this weekend. You know, but how, how much of that was looking forward to A&M? So, you know, we, we just don't know. But a good tune-up game for the next four weeks. If we can get and, – and the thing is, of course, we're Bama fans. We want to win this weekend. And between Arkansas, A&M, Tennessee, Mississippi State, we're expecting 4-0. We want 4-0. We're expecting 4-0. But to be honest, man, if we come out of that at 3-1, and we have all our goals in front of us. We really do. We do. We just lost a margin of error, which I always hate. But, yeah, I think you hit most of everything that, that we should be doing this weekend and looking forward to Vandy. You know, Vandy's not a terrible team. They're 3-1 uh, they're and on the year. I know they play some cupcakes, but their only loss is to a ranked Wake Forest team. So they've beaten the teams they should beat. And in years past, Vandy has not done that. So they have beaten the teams they should have beat and lost to a ranked team. So uh, another tidbit about them they're averaging 42 points a game. I don't know when the last time a Vandy team has done that through the first four games, but 42 points per game. 1923. The other thing we need to do is we need to get better on third down. I noticed we were uh, 75th in the country on third down conversions. We have been historically in the top five or ten at worst in the last several years with the quarterback play that we've had. And this year, and that included last year, but this year something, again, is just not gelling right, and we're converting less than like 39% of our third downs. So we've got to get better than that. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunate because two out of the three teams we played have been cupcakes, and you would have thought you could have run up some good third down stats there to kind of – cushion you a little bit get your confidence up but that didn't happen so uh they've 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 got to get better there and the the road gets tougher in front of them yeah i've got us winning this week but i don't think we cover i I think they get a couple of touchdowns on the board and we probably hang around the 42 to 49 point mark so I, i think we win easily but i think as true bama fans we're mad sunday morning because we didn't play perfect uh you know perfect game and uh, and Vandy gets the cover. Yeah, forty-eight to ten is what I what I was thinking. I also think Vandy gets the cover. Yeah. All right, second game of the week, and we're just going to mention this kind of in passing, which is sad because this used to kickstart. Oh, by the way, welcome to college football, CBS Sports. It only took you to week three to get to college football, but hey, congrats! You know, you didn't miss, you didn't miss anything the first two weeks of college football season while you're showing tennis. <laughs> But this used to be the kickoff game for CBS, Tennessee and Florida. Man, Florida has dominated this series. I looked at it today. Um, they've won – I thought I wrote this down, but I, maybe I did not. Five yeah, in a row. Uh, well, since, uh, since 05, Florida's 16-1. and one. And before that, they were – it was uh, – Tennessee led the series forever. Then Florida just dominated under Spurrier and then under Meyer. So uh, – you know, I, I, Tennessee, I think they get them this year. They're favored by around 10, which is a scary line, as you know, when the 10-point the tease is coming to effect. But I, I think Tennessee is much better than Florida at the quarterback position, and I think that's what's going to rule the day. It, it might. Home field advantage is going to be big in this game, I think. Tennessee has finally got a reason to pack the stadium, and they will be out Saturday. It won't surprise me if Florida keeps this close and may actually win. As good as Tennessee has looked, 
Florida has played a significantly tougher schedule than Tennessee so far this year. They they beat a ranked Utah team uh, right out of the gates. They lost a hard-fought game to Kentucky. And, of course, South Florida was sort of an anomaly. But if you look at South Florida, they're not a terrible team. They've, no. They, they're one and two, but their two losses are both to rank ten, well, Florida and a ranked BYU team. So uh, South Florida may not be that bad. Now, they should have they shouldn't have been down to the wire with them for sure. So, But all that to say this, I expect a close game. I think it could go either way. But I tend to agree with you that Tennessee probably wins in a close one basically due to crowd. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the recap and the bets from last week. Man, we're on fire. We, we started off the day 3-0 and and then finished up at 3-1 and because Fresno State could not handle their end of the bargain. But I had Vandy and Oklahoma. Vandy was a, a slot dog, outright winner. Oklahoma smashed Nebraska, as I knew they would, even though they went down 7-0 on the first drive of the game. Actually, Oklahoma took the kickoff, went 3-and-out, punted. Nebraska drives it under their throats, and then that was pretty much it. Oklahoma dominated after that. You had Washington, which was the Smelly Fish line. They uh, were favored over a rank, or they were yeah favored over a ranked team and won easily. And then Fresno State just couldn't do anything with USC. So not not bad. Three and one. If you went straight up, you paid a little juice, but you you took home money. Uh, bets for this week. What you got on game one, Tom? I'm going to break out one of my playoff teams. Iowa State's a small favorite over number 17 Baylor this week. People are not giving Iowa State the credit they deserve. They're at home. I like them. They're favored. Baylor's ranked. The the stars have aligned on again. So uh, give me the Cyclones. All right. My game one, I know better than to do this, but I can't. I'm a sucker when it comes to this. And don't play it because it's going to lose, but I, I've got to take it. Clemson. Minus seven at Wake. I mean, I don't think Wake is that good. And Clemson is supposed to be good. So, I'm taking Clemson minus the seven at Wake Forest. Yeah, I almost took Wake Forest. So, I'm glad I'm bitten now. But uh, my second game is not going to make a lot of people happy. But uh, but it'll probably make us happy. I'm taking Missouri plus a seven and a half over Auburn this weekend. We talked about this last week about Auburn's home field advantage and what Penn State had to look forward to, so on and so forth. And it was. It was a it was a crowd that was very into it until the game got out of control this past Saturday. But guess what we also said last week? That's Auburn in big games. But when Auburn plays mediocre teams and poor games, and especially when they have the 11 o'clock kickoffs, that stadium, after Saturday's beating, that stadium will be lucky to be 50% full on Saturday. No, I, I agree. That. I, I think they'll have half a stadium at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Harson's got one foot out the door. Probably a lot of dissension in that locker room right now. I say Missouri goes on the road and keeps this one close, if possibly without white win. I, I was wondering if you were going to go there. It's uh, I, I like Missouri. The line opened at 10, and now it's hanging around 7. So there's some heavy money came in on Missouri at 10. My last game, I've got I've got wrong team favored here. Uh, Arkansas versus AM at neutral site Dallas. Uh, yeah, neutral site my butt. But I, I think Arkansas gets them two years in a row. I think Arkansas's better. I know they struggled a little bit with uh, struggled a lot bit with who Missouri State or somebody this weekend. But yep. they they beat them. They, you know the 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 talent took over and they beat them in the fourth quarter. And I like them to beat AM which is really going to put A&M behind the eight ball because I think oh, A&M goes to Mississippi State after 
Arkansas. So they've got Arkansas, then at Mississippi State, then at Bama. So A&M really needs to win this game. I just don't think they can. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that. I think Arkansas has the better team. Just uh, just depends on how how it shows up. But I agree. Uh, updated college football playoff. Yep, I've got Georgia one, Bama two, Ohio State three. I'm not sure who who I had uh, four last week. So I'm. I, I, but I don't think I had this team I'm about to put. I've got Michigan at four. This is the first week that I've changed up my uh, playoff projections. I have Georgia at one, Bama at two. I have Michigan at three. I like that pick. You and I have seen the same thing, particularly when I saw they were number one in scoring offense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michigan at three. And I also have a little bit of shakeup at four. Not, not a lot. I have a double line contender here. You know, at the beginning of the season, we said we didn't think anybody could make the playoffs out of the Pac-10, Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And that, that look to be true after the first week and we both said that there's only one team that we didn't think could do it would be USC but they started playing ball and if they continue to play like they they are uh they'll they'll walk through the Pac-12 schedule uh so I still have Iowa State on the four line I still like them as a Big 12 representative but I have a slash there and it could be USC so I have a I have a kiss your sister pick, Iowa State or USC on the number four. Line. Man, you heard it, Ohio State fans, and you heard it, Oklahoma fans. Tom Sims from the critically acclaimed podcast, I'm not targeting, you're targeting, gives you no love in week four, going into week four on the CFP prediction. So we agree with Georgia, we agree with Bama. We're split on number three and number four, but, hey, that's what makes it fun. If, if we were the same every week, Tom, we would not have our 23 dedicated listeners. So hats off to you, for especially for throwing in uh, the slash there, Iowa State, USC. Well, that's going to wrap us up here. We're right on time, as always. We're, we're perfecting this, Tom. This, pod, this podcasting is coming easy, knock on wood. So, as always, Tom, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys.